0: I can't believe it. We're already at the last episode of this mini-series of GRASP, and we'll do it a bit differently. This episode has not only one story, but three. We figured it was the best way to show you the workings of the open think tank network, trying to show you the various ways the network supports and promotes its think tanks, and how they all actually work together, even though they're located in different countries. We'll start out with act one, where we'll see how it works when a new person just like you listening right now, decides to get in touch and how the Open Think Tank Network can help. This is Grasp, a podcast where we get to go behind the scenes of a think tank. My name is Jamila. I'm an intern at Voraus. And this summer, I've been talking to people of the Open Think Tank Network, trying to grasp some of the challenges and, let's say, creative ways in which people make change happen. In today's episode... The network. Luca's job is to enable new think tanks or initiatives to start up grassroots model think tanks in their local context, based on the original Farao's values created by Nicola and like the other existing think tanks. And so far, the network is mainly built in Europe, but the ambition is to spread it all over the world. One day, Luca got a request from Kenya. My name is
1: Willis. Uh... Onyang Gwanda, I'm the director of the Youth Cafe, which is a pan-African youth empowerment organization based in Kenya.
2: In his initial email, he basically said, I want to do the same thing as you do.
1: We get lots of requests on redefining a new order for Africa and European relationship that goes beyond the relics of colonialism that uh, leverages on trade and opportunities that are in in the digital age
0: getting new members from Africa is a huge opportunity to diversify the network and add new voices.
1: I'm highly
2: convinced that just establishing another Western European slash North American think tank network wouldn't be what we perceive as dynamic, innovative and new and especially inclusive. So I think it's very important to get out of the usual geographical bubbles. Um, And also for me, The grassroots approach also means being open to different country contexts.
0: The opportunity is there, but to make it work, Luca always consults with the existing members. Because given its grassroots structure, all the members of the network need to vote to add a new member.
2: Outreach is something very emotional. Because if another new member comes into the network, the others should feel connected to them.
0: Managing these expectations from both the existing network and possible new members makes Luca a bridge between what has been and what is coming. And while those discussions were going on internally, he kept in touch with Willis.
2: We had several like phone calls and I explained him a little bit more what that actually means.
1: I, I like uh, new uh, challenging opinions. I like uh, in discourse. I like debate, and I like engagement with people who necessarily do not have the same perspectives, which mm-hmm. is something that is uh, that is missing. Uh, the grassroots beat.
2: I, I think he heard about some event series we, we did, for example, where we brought like CEOs and refugees to the same table and talked about migration policy. He was like, "Wow, this is how it should be."
0: Willis' application is in, and if all think tanks vote unanimously, we will soon have a Kenyan grassroots think tank in the network. So I am keeping my fingers crossed. So far, we've heard how think tanks work in Germany and Austria and the UK, and how they operate in their local contexts. But the real power of the network lies in international collaboration, tackling issues together using the same method moving bigger issues on an international scale. Now that's the ambition of the network. And to test that, you need an adventurous project manager who dares to risk it.
3: Hi, I'm Jonas from Foraus. Uh, we're just now running the workshop in Zurich on what could become an AI Yeah, A- strategy that's Jonas.
0: And in Act 2, workshop. he will show us how he did it. Sectors, uh, science, uh, Jonas is the project manager of Policy Kitchen. He built that baby from the ground up. Policy kitchen? No, you're not all of a sudden listening to a cooking show. This platform does cook up something. High-quality policy recipes. Here's how it works. A policy challenge is posted on the website. Like, for example, how to make AI more inclusive. Once the challenge is out there, people get busy. Think tanks locally might organize an ideation workshop on the topic. Or people, like students or experts, can also contribute individually by uploading their recommendations. This allows people to collaborate virtually on a set of challenges for policymaking. Removing those barriers that all collaborators have to be in the same physical space. A new way of generating policy recommendations from all over the world. And Jonas and his team were organizing such a workshop on artificial intelligence in Switzerland.
3: That workshop was amazing. The location was great, the mood was really interesting. I think I would describe it as, uh, okay, wow, we can really make a difference here. And it was a great mix of people. We had different sectors represented, uh, some, some geeks from the uh, tech sectors, pretty senior people, both from government and uh, some research institutions, as well as um, students. We had, I think, about 30 people in a room. Um, so we, we broke down the group into different uh, subgroups to work on very specific issues.
0: The discussions went on for a full afternoon and there were many new ideas. Some of the participants even wanted Jonas to come and talk about the insight at an upcoming event.
3: We we started this project with a very experimental lens and, and just try out stuff and see what sticks. And uh, having such a Positive response from important players in a field is pretty exciting.
0: They got offered to do a Policy Kitchen workshops on AI, in the AI for Good Summit, organized by the UN and the ITU. And Jonas realized that AI, being such a global topic, isn't really tied to national borders. What if one could leverage the international side of the open think-tank network and do similar workshops, say, in different parts of the world?
3: Let's try to scale it up a little bit because the strength of Policy Kitchen is its capacity to kind of put decentralized work or, or say workshops in different locations together in a single virtual space. So to really make use of this asset, we propose to actually make um, a larger process that will culminate in the in the Africa Global Summit.
0: Jonas and his small team had to get in touch and convince the other think tanks in the network to participate.
3: And uh, told them that this is uh, a unique opportunity to be, to be part of something bigger. Um, and we also told them that we could support them financially if we get green light.
0: That green light was on yellow for a while. As their partner Swissnex, who has locations all over the world, also still needed some convincing. Months later, they suddenly got the green light. Yet there was a pretty significant problem. There was only two months left until the summit. The time schedule was really getting tight. Jonas knew that he needed to get people on board to even stand the chance of scaling in that short amount of time. Okay, let me... So he started calling up his international colleagues in the network.
4: Ah, should I maybe... This is... Max
0: in Vienna was one of them.
4: Really loud, should I maybe... Yeah, wait. Uh, First reaction was... So cool that we are invited to be a part of this. Let's do this. That was our first reaction.
0: And Luca, who doesn't only coordinate the Open Think Tank Network and its new members, also had moderated Policy Kitchen workshops in New York and Boston. And he just finished a successful workshop when he got the call. He called me and
2: said like, um, we want you again for a workshop, but this time you have to organize it on your own. And you only have a couple of weeks. And I was like, wow, first of all, I'm not that familiar with the concept of artificial intelligence.
3: Um, So I'm amazed by how coolly they took it. Uh, They were all just uh, really motivated to get it done. Um, Apparently, many of them are also used to do things uh, under time pressure. So it wasn't a first for many of them. But I'm, I'm still amazed that all of the partners made it happen.
0: So think tanks all over the world started prepping.
4: It was short notice. So I talked to Khan, the project manager of of Ponto, and then he said, we can do this no matter what. I will spend now countless hours and sleep deprivation on top of it to organize this thing.
3: I don't know, sometimes uh, stress levels and fun levels uh, actually correlate quite well. Um, So so the busy moments are also the more exciting ones and and where you put in a lot of energy and, and also enjoy doing it.
2: I was just excited, but it wasn't easy at all.
0: It included many late nights. Believe me, I witnessed it all. Jonas was always the last one to leave the office and drank like hundreds of coffees a day. But he was committed to this project and getting the workshops organized in time.
3: This involved eight countries on four different continents. Uh, I I knew if I achieved this goal, this is a big uh, kind of strong case for future engagements with Policy Kitchen. So I knew I just wanted to to get it done.
0: When the first workshop started rolling, Luca realized he had a problem in Boston.
2: Yeah, we only had like six RSVPs. But also we announced the, the event like five days before it took place.
0: He decided to call up Jonas and tell him about this challenge
2: like hey guys this is impossible
3: where it was like oh yeah we do it but then we don't
2: we only have six rcps that's pretty sad and you don't want we don't want to be the workshop on on like oh nice that it happened but it was kind of sad
0: (laughs) they took the decision to postpone the boston workshop to a week later giving them a little bit more time and Luca and his collaborators did a full-on push with everything in their power to really get that diverse crowd of people together in time.
2: And basically contacted everybody possible to like be present at that workshop. All partners like Harvard, Twist, Next, and me realized, wow, okay, if we organize something short notice like that, emails are not enough. So we started contacting people. On their phones, we texted people and said like, well, you would be a great candidate. You should come and participate.
0: And the focused outreach actually paid off. One week later, Luca and his partners managed to double the amount of participants.
2: We had a cool variety of people working in NGOs, for example, women in tech, AI researchers, an ethic professor, an astrophysicist.
0: And it wasn't only a mission from Central. The workshops also had a positive impact locally. Here's Max again.
2: We
4: organized something. We we did something here, of course, with the help of the network. But this helped helped also us in in Vienna to, to sort of show what Ponto really is and what it can be on an international scale.
0: After several hiccups, one workshop not happening, another one delayed, another workshop happened without any internet, the workshops were all done and quite successfully completed. There were many new ideas on the platform from all over the world. The workshop for AI for Good Summit also took place smoothly with many high-level guests. So, how did you feel after the workshop?
3: That was a fucking amazing feeling. <laughs> no, because we've been we've been running a marathon for two months, and I mean, I've I've had other work also uh, before that. Um, so it was really kind of peak stress and uh, after the Geneva workshop um, it was really a feeling of like okay milestone achieved Uh, we can now go to a park and and drink some beer the weather was uh, super nice in Geneva we went to the lake took a swim um, and yeah just enjoyed enjoyed herself and celebrated
0: Throughout the series I've been the one asking the questions and as we're wrapping this project my producer Katarina flipped the mic and started asking me some stuff.
4: So tell me the story of how you
0: as an intern ended up being a podcast host. I was already developing this gitbook which is an online source platform to find a bunch of information on how to run an A think tank or how to run an NGO and one of them was how to create a podcast as I already did this research I realized it's quite interesting and could be quite fun to do as well and we wanted someone who's local who knows the think tank and the think tanks themselves and um, I was up for the challenge to to try something new and something more exciting did you ever like doubt your ability to to do this Yeah, I thought it would not be nice to hear my own voice (laughs) and I still struggle with it. (laughs) I think I still get red cheeks when I hear it.
4: (laughs) What was the most challenging part of of getting behind the scenes of the network?
0: It was really hard to get them to talk like personal stories. People kept on saying we and we and getting super technical. But I guess that what comes because they're so passionate about their work and their think tank and they're all voluntary that it's like, hard not to be but we're trying to get like funny or like good stories that would be interesting to like listeners and it should have come from themselves but it was always hard to take them back to their feeling it was all very more like what actually happened so I think that was the like difficult part like screwing them to open up a bit Mm And how? what did you do to find these stories? How did you find these stories? Because as I've met them through all our global calls that we do monthly and everything and knowing some insights from them, I, yeah, got some stories from there.
4: <laughs> was it hard to choose stories?
0: Yeah, it was really actually also difficult. There's so many stories and anecdotes out there. We actually interviewed even much more people who are not even in the podcast. It was like difficult to make a choice, but at the end of the day... Like, we had to do it.
4: So now the podcast is out. What's next for you?
0: Uh, Every year, like uh, the whole Think Tank Network finally meets in person at this conference, do workshops together, collaborate on important topics that we need to discuss in order to improve our organization and also to expand it. I'm heading to my first conference this week, actually, and I'm really excited to finally go to the conference and meet all these people in person. Many of the anecdotes I heard when looking for stories for the series went back to one specific session that took place some years back when all of them met for the first time at a yearly conference. This one was all about choosing a specific direction for the network and summarizing that into a formal document called the Letter of Intent. It includes the mission and values that all its members would subscribe to. Regula was in charge of making it happen. And we'll join them right in that moment, as the discussions is about to start.
5: We had a really um, nice room from the BMW Foundation in Berlin.
3: With a view to the Bundestag, um, we felt very important.
0: (laughs) You could sense the passion in that room. It was vibrating in the air.
3: It was a large group as well. I think we were at least 30 people in in the room. Um, And I mean, you can imagine a a negotiation with 30 people in in like, I don't know, just a three hour uh, bracket.
0: Rigula was chairing the session together with Sophie. It started out well, but then slowly and surely, the energy shifted.
3: As we all know, the devil is in the details. And there were very intense discussions about different
6: notions quite quite drastically on points like do we do foreign policy or do we do internal policy like national policy um obviously you can never fully separate the two
5: many people were in involved like emotionally they would maybe talk loudly they would, would uh, use their hands and their whole body to express themselves. They would um, reiterate the same argument again and again. Definitions of core, well-known concepts
0: of the Farras model was picked apart and investigated, like the word grassroots.
6: I think it was there were a lot of different understandings of what the word means. Do we want to give more of a platform to high-level experts? Maybe to sh- to speak to more people and get engaged more people. But to whom are we actually reaching out to? Um, who do we want to have on board? Um, whose ideas do we want to represent?
3: I mean, the room got a little stuffy. Um, people started to sweat. Uh, some red faces. Yeah. So I mean, you have you have different kinds of frustrations in such a situation. You you have. Um, On the one hand the frustration of uh, people finding out that other people don't share their opinion and then there's the other kind of frustration that some people seem to have super strong opinions about stuff that doesn't matter so much. There was a big discussion about whether or not, to make it explicit, that this is about youth or young people.
5: So in in Germany, being young is an asset because it... it, um Yeah, it maybe gives you access, gives you a seat on the table, where otherwise, if you don't have that label, you would need to compete with even more other organizations for that spot. And it was also the question, like, would we exclude another think tank if they're not young? The discussion was spinning out of control. My co-host from Polis, she started becoming an advocate of the police position. started talking in a really enervated way and you could feel in the room that people didn't appreciate that at all.
3: She just like, I don't know, forced (laughs) the whole group to to, to remain organized and orderly and and with some smart moves, she she actually uh, got us toward uh, progress.
0: Yeah. Messy.
3: It
2: was in the end, it was a fight between Germany and France.
0: (laughs) Getting everyone involved in the discussion was important, since it highlighted all the different points of views. But it didn't really help to bring the document together and reaching that important aligned conclusion. So after many hours of discussions, they decided to just stop. They would not be able to solve this in the current group session.
5: We decided on a small delegation with a representative of each think tank to come up with a proposal. They decided to meet right before breakfast the next morning. It was a very constructive discussion, very considerate of the other's position, very understanding. We came up with a solution that everybody could agree on.
0: When I sat down to talk to Regula about the session, I was almost
5: surprised that she didn't consider the initial discussion a failure. It needs to be. I think it's, um, it's necessary. If you don't have this kind of passion, you never have the energy to build something.
0: The members of the Open Think Tank Network continue to use that passion to push many grassroots initiatives forward, locally and globally. And knowing how to harness it and how to be pragmatic and solution-oriented when needed has been key for building and growing these think tanks. Perhaps it really is the balance in between fighting hard for something and stopping to understand when to switch approach and questions one's own points of view. That's why the conference serves a really good purpose.
6: I think first and foremost, the conference showed us that we were part of something much bigger.
4: The realization that we have the support of this network.
6: That we were not an an isolated project in the UK, in London, doing our thing, but that there were other organizations who went through similar processes before, Um, other organizations from whom we could learn an incredible lot.
2: Almost everybody is funnier than during a professional call. That's the good news.
0: Well, I look forward to see how funny my international colleagues really are in person. And I can see the point of meeting at this conference, even though discussions might be heated. And for you, dear listener, yeah, I'm talking to you listening right now. Even though you're not joining me at this conference... I am so ready to hear from you. If you would like to change the world following a grassroots approach, and know more on how we work, we encourage you to get in touch with us. Come to our website, www.openthinktank.org. That's one word: openthinktank.org. We want to hear from you.
6: We
3: want to hear from you. We want to hear from you.
5: Maybe <laughs> a little more natural.
3: <laughs> We want to hear from you.
5: We want to hear from you. We want
3: to hear from we you. We want to
4: hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from you.
0: We want to hear from you. And until we're back, we'll keep grasping for that change. And we hope you'll do too. This podcast was possible thanks to the generous support of the Laryx Foundation. I'm Jamila, your host of this show. Kamedia Media is the podcast production house behind this episode. Music came from Blue Dot Sessions. From voraus, the project is overseen by Edu, our digital innovation manager.